0: And then you would have something where, again, there's a double up on the Bodhisattvas um, with some of these meridians because this is your guardian eight Bodhisattvas, which they are tied to the eight trigrams, but we could put them to the direct meridians if we know the chronoacupuncture, right? So like esoteric Buddhism actually breaks this down a lot.
1: I'm Michael Max, and this is Geological, the podcast that curates East Asian medicine and methods through the power of conversation. Can you pause, sit for a moment with your glimpse of the depth of entanglement in years of pain and denial shared with you when your patient tells you the truth of their experience? Can you set aside that part that wants to fix the world and sit together with them in the wonderment of it all? How it's come to pass that you are here and they are too, together in the entangled, troubled way that it is. And that this is what they're living through. And you, with your path, at least for this moment, your traveling companions. Now, tell me how you intend on fixing that. Because there ain't no fix for the paths that we have tread and the stories that we've collected along the way. Thoughts and theories don't touch this. They are on the other side of a window. This is not the realm of theory, but rather meaning. For sure, there are emotions and judgments that readily leap to mind. They have a power, but are powerless here. Our job as practitioners is to do something. The tacit agreement is we're here to help, but There's no doing that helps a broken heart or a trust betrayed. Our job is to do, and often enough, we can. Treatment strategies readily appear in the mind, but in certain moments, there is nothing to be done. Nothing to be done, but that doesn't mean a withdrawal of attention or presence, if anything. It's an invitation to be aware that in the moment, there's nothing to do, to do, not doing. Uwe, the non-doing, the Tao Te Ching points to, but it's not the non-doing of withdraw, it's the non-doing of attentive pause. Like watching clouds in the morning sky, their movement not separate from the bowl of gray blue or the trees rooted firm into an earth that's hurling through space that kind of quietude, the kind of quietude that I'm suggesting, the stillness that comes from listening, not listening through the internal dialogue, listening when the attention is not so encumbered by internal thought, the kind of listening that leads you to action less tied to theory and toward more attentive exploration, where you're drawn to some points And you see if they influence the pulse, the weight of the moment, the feeling in the room. And there's something else to consider. Are you working so as to relieve your patient of their experience or helping to invite them deeper into it? This is a question I've only recently considered. The tacit agreement of medicine is to take away the trouble someone brings through the door and at times, for sure, that is the aim. But there are moments they are not fixable. It might be the liminal space essential for processing of grief or loss. It might be a moment of ripening where the spirit is in the essential midst of finding a new entanglement with the body. It could be the moment of realization that what's been working working well enough, well, that moment is over. Sometimes our work is not to shift, fix, or remove, but rather connect, deepen, and accompany. Mostly in clinic, we lean on yang to get things done. But sometimes you'll be able to feel it. There are moments of yin stillness that are called for. There are moments We are invited to do not doing, and that will bring up a set of points that you will not find in a protocol. Any system of medicine is rooted in a worldview. There is a sense of the world that has a stabilizing coherence, a way to explain health and how it arises, along with illness and how it can be skillfully approached and treated. Chinese medicine is rooted in a set of flexible and context-sensitive principles, which might be in part the reason it has been able to shift and adapt to the influence of the past hundred years as Western medicine, with the power that can be generated from reductionist thinking, has been adopted as the go-to method throughout the world. Part of Chinese medicine's adaptation has been to become more systematized, become more air quotes here, scientific. And it has its uses too. But if you practiced for any length of time, you'll have no doubt noticed that Chinese medicine, it's not completely rational. And that's not a criticism, but rather an invitation. In this conversation with Zach Louie, we look not to find ways of integrating acupuncture with the conventional world, but instead shine a light into aspects of Buddhism, Taoism, and even what I'll loosely call magic as ways to help better understand our medicine and who we are as practitioners. We'll get into all of this in a moment. Stay with us. I don't know about you, but sometimes I take a step back and marvel at my acupuncture needles. I mean, they're the world's simplest medical tool, a sharpened wire and a handle. That's it. And with this simple tool, hundreds of health conditions can be resolved. I love it. What I didn't love was the amount of packaging waste I generated at the end of the day. But that has now changed too. Ever since I switched to AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles, I reduced my packaging waste by 90%. Not only are they a great needle, but the folks at AccuFast plant a tree for every two boxes of needles I use in the clinic. By switching to AccuFast Needles, you'll be helping patients, planting trees, and joining a community of practitioners changing the world. Like our simple needle, being a part of this solution, it's simple too. Visit accufastneedles.com slash geological to learn how.
2: Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit mayway.com to find the perfect Ponsar brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies. As we welcome the month of May, our focus is on women's health. Our newsletter articles and podcast episodes this month will highlight different aspects and unique challenges women face. So subscribe or tune in. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our women's health formulas this month. Just visit Maywei.com. This season and every season, trust me with Herbs for your health and wellness needs. And thank you for supporting Real Chinese Medicine.
1: I love how technology can help to automate my office. And I want to share with you my favorite tool for doing so, Jane. Jane is a clinic management software in EMR with a human touch. Whether you're switching your software or going paperless for the first time, The Jane team knows that the onboarding process can feel a little overwhelming. That's why with Jane, you don't just get software, you get a whole team. Included in every Jane subscription is their award-winning customer support available by phone, email, and chat whenever you need it, even Saturdays. You can also book a free account setup consultation to review your account and ensure you feel confident about going live. If you're interested in making the switch to Jane, head to jane.app/switch to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their support team. And be sure to mention the code GEOLOGICAL at the time of sign up for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. Zach Louie, welcome to GEOLOGICAL. Thank you. Thank you for the welcome. So here we are, hanging out, shooting the shit about Chinese medicine.
0: Absolutely. Good times, good times.
1: It is, isn't it? It's so funny. You know, I used to live in Seattle where I was around all kinds of Chinese medicine folk. we just hang out, go for walks, gab about medicine,
0: drink tea, eat cookies, you know. Eat cookies, do some Tai Chi, you know, do the arms behind the back, get the look in, right? All kinds of stuff. You
1: know, And now I'm in St. Louis. I have to get on the internet to hang out with my friends, but
0: it works. It works. It's not the same, but it works.
1: Well, it, I mean, in some ways it's, I'm not going to say it's better, but it, it opens up more opportunities. So you and I several times, you know, like two time zones away or yeah, like, actually we're one time zone away. Well, it's one but, time zone. It's one time zone. But time. a lot of miles and in a different country. Yeah. Well, I often am curious about what drew people into doing this work. You know, a lot of us didn't grow up with it. Nope. And, uh, you know, it's kind of weird for plenty of folk. Mm-hmm. How do you find your way into this stuff?
0: Uh, it was uh, it was a long journey. I'll say that it was not an expected journey, but it was a journey. Um, Unexpected journey. Yes, it was, again, Asian kid, growing up in Hamilton, steel city, very similar to like, you know, the Midwest mentality for uh, young Americans. And uh, it was one of these points where Toronto is the cosmopolitan city, um, like the queen city of at least Ontario. So I kind of lived a half-half life. I lived in Hamilton, which is very practical, uh, Midwest vibes. And then you got Toronto, which doesn't want to admit it's Midwest vibes, but it is and um it really is a point where i started all this in a pursuit of knowledge of self it was a point of i want to get into asian spirituality growing up as a kid you see the kung fu movies you're like yeah is this real and uh one thing led to another and eventually one of the people i learned from literally said hey you're wanting to learn spirituality you're wanting to learn magic why don't you just go to the chinese medicine person i'm like uh dude uh you mean like needles and tasting mud i know how this goes like why would i go to anyone for <laughs> this <laughs> needles <laughs> and tasting mud right because i'm i'm coming from a background of psychology and uh, behavioral sciences and all this even at like teenage years and i'm coming from like looking from kung fu i was like why would i bother with the anthus? how does this relate to anything i would learn from spirituality one thing leads to another. Uh, I make the Kung Fu commitment where he's like, just go to this Chinese medicine person. I'm like, all right, fine. Uh, go in, start learning. And it literally was like the, like, I shit you not. It's pretty much Kung Fu Panda. You go up the friggin' hill, you're like, am I here? And then there's a whole handoff thing thing where the parents with me, my uh, mother in this context, and I was like, okay, are you going to teach my child like the Qigong? Are you going to teach him that? And uh, the one teacher I learned from, she was like, yes, I will. So, um, you know, in Asian culture, the master-teacher relationship is a very different one than what most people think about teaching where it's like, oh, it's just a commodity. It's not from Asian standards. So there was a handoff there where I was there every single day doing marketing homework, and then it was four hours of Qigong, translating mandarin which i'm a cantonese speaker so initially i was like "Mm," my mother and i were sitting there it's like what is this pigeon chinese they're speaking it sounds chinese but we don't get it (laughs) and then we we get the tables flipped on it's like you do know mandarin is the official lingua franca. but growing up in like eastern canada you get it was a large cantonese population for the longest time so that was like what i was used to so getting this reality flip, I was like, well, actually, you're the minority speakers. We're like, what? Yeah. So I, I, I did Qigong. That got me into their pursuit of Chinese medicine because I had to translate literally the book from Mandarin simplified to Chinese or into English from Chinese. And that's how I was learning my Chinese for the written um, standard of simplified and uh from there i also uh, once again the student is ready
1: now did you grow up with simplified chinese or 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 the complex
0: i grew up with traditional yeah
1: Yeah, so when you know traditional chinese reading the simplified stuff it's not easier
0: it's not easier it's kind of like hmm this this sort of looks like a comic but not really scorpion looks like a horse what (laughs) so (laughs) so i went through a whole two uh, Two year journey of basically doing Qigong to understand the meridians, meditating on the points, physically massaging the points, and doing these translations. And then um, at some point, I want to make a career of this because, you know, who doesn't want to do Harry Potter and uh that life? And at the same time, on parallel, uh, I met my master, Andrea Venmas, who's my spiritual master and teacher, and I was doing a, uh, a parallel education system between uh, magic and Chinese medicine. So I was getting really standing on the shoulders of giants at this point. And then I went to formal schooling for TCL.
1: Okay. Hang on here just one second. I remember learning the meridians. You know, we'd like draw on ourselves and we'd draw on our classmates. But, nope. You're doing movements. You're feeling it. Mm-hmm. You learn them by doing the Qigong. It sounds sounds like a pretty useful way to learn what the Meridians are about. Does, does that give you like a sense or a character of the Meridians? Like, cause it seems to me the Meridians at, at this stage of the game, they've got like a personality yeah, in a sense.
0: And they most definitely do. And this is where, again, I sound like a heretic to most people where I say like, does Trismussen really exist? Do Meridians actually exist? Cause with all the training I do, I take it from a meta perspective given how um, Andrea has taught me, and I work in multiple paradigms. Uh, Chinese medicine is just the one professionally, professional cap I wear, um, but I'm very familiar with chakras. At the point that we're talking about chakras and meridians, this is where it's like, well, do they both exist at once? Well, it depends who does it. If you believe in it, I mean, this is where we can talk about that whole narrative structure. However, going through the meditations in Qigong, I built the meridians in my body at that point.
1: You built them.
0: Right. Because naturally in TCM, you would say, well, they're naturally there. This is how you live. Well, yes, but chakras still exist. There's many other systems that exist. So which one's right, which one's wrong? It can't be all coinciding all at one time unless you're stuck in one particular paradigm.
1: It, if you have two paradigms, though, you have two lenses to view, feel, see, work with the body, though, yes?
0: Correct. And the narrative structures and the metaphors are completely different, yet they both still work.
2: Mm-hmm. So this it's is more where,
0: handles. Right, it gives you more handles, it gives you more lenses, but you still have to understand the metaphors and the context that they were in.
1: Tell me, a little, tell me a little bit about building the meridians in your body.
0: So in terms of building the meridians, I start off even when I'm teaching students professionally, it's one, there's a line. Like we know this from dead men. We go through all those education systems of drawing the lines, feeling them out. What I had to do was literally press the point and see my body reaction. And then I'd say, like, is this, what what am I actually feeling kinesthetically? Did my breath go down? Did it move? Did it shift my mind? I would actually meditate with this. And then I was given, at least from this one teacher for Chinese medicine, uh, she's like, well, think about the chi ball. And then she taught me how to do ice exercises and fireball exercises to the point to open up the meridian, depending on what the sensation was. So at that point, I'm already learning yin and yang. Just through the meditation aspects and i'd be linking oh lung one to lung two what why is this connection feeling this way so i literally was doing massage and then i was notating uh what my reactions were and then i would actually correspond to the book and say hey that's actually kind of right so it wasn't me reading something first it was me experiencing the thing first
1: you got it first in your physical sense that's pretty cool i remember Reading the books when I was in acupuncture school. And uh, I knew acupuncture worked because it worked on me mm-hmm. and it helped me. But I can, man, I remember like in my first year, I'm reading these books and I'm going, you know, someone just wrote this shit in a book. Like anyone can write anything in a book. Absolutely. How do I know it's, how do I know there's actually something here?
0: Right. And it really comes down to what's your results and what's your experience? Yeah. I think that's really where the buck stops off. Because even like I was watching, you know, I'm always educating myself. They're like, you know, Marines are pretty much the formalized Marines we have. They came in the UN dynasty. Before then, everyone was debating what your Meridians were, even what your points were. So really, it's all kind of just made up. It's just we have kind of agreed at the moment what this is, which is kind of hilarious. That's just a consensus more than anything.
1: Okay. I'm going to ask you a provocative question. Sure. If we took that consensus away, mm-hmm. what would still
0: be there? I would probably. In terms of the meridians. In terms of the meridians, it's whatever you want them to be. Right? That That is the provocative answer. It's whatever you want them to be. Because if I act as a Taoist priest, are these meridians or are they zodiac animals? If I'm working from Sa'am, are they meridians or are they bodhisattvas and buddhas? It's just an agreed line.
1: Different stories. Correct. Okay. So. And I just want to put a pin in something for a moment, because I want to come back to sure. it. Because you said something a little earlier, and I do want to swing back to it. You talked about magic.
2: hmm
1: Okay. So I'm just dropping a pin. <laughs> <laughs> I've studied a little bit of Sa'am, and I know it comes through a Buddhist uh, tradition mm-hmm. originally. I, I've learned it from a guy who learned it from a, a wandering monk, actually. So... That's That's been interesting. I hadn't thought about the meridians as bodhisattvas, but I have found using the Saam system in those very unique organ pairings, mm-hmm. which are nothing short of stunningly powerful, mm-hmm. I found that the meridians kind of have a personality to them. hadn't thought about it as bodhisattvas, but I do think of them as having personalities.
0: Right. Now, the bigger question here, Michael, is what type of personality do they have based on your yes. own experience of them? Because it's going to be different for everybody.
1: Yeah. Well, if they've got a certain characteristic, mm-hmm. wouldn't they kind of be somewhat in line? You know, if you're really grokking these meridians, if you're really using them, if you're getting to know them, like, for example, the gallbladder. Right. I, I wouldn't take the gallbladder as like a kickback chill sort of energy. I wouldn't take it that way at all. I would take the gallbladder as kind of a scrappy, strong, here's my boundaries. Oh, and let me tell you, they're going to get enforced too. Mm Gallbladder is in your face.
0: Absolutely. I don't see
1: the gallbladders kick back.
0: Well, again, it's now we get into, at least this is where it gets into, well, what is Chinese medicine? When we start looking at these meridians, we have to look at what your subconscious anchors are you've been in school for how long before you even got your license, you got uh, taught a certain thing, and even in the experience of Sa'am, there are certain uh, realizations you had. But you yourself could get results other people may not have based on your experience, and that gets filtered through. That's all subconscious. So this is where, is that a reflection of the meridian, or is that a reflection of you and the meridian itself directly?
1: Mm, My sense is... The meridian has its own kind of character. You could say it's vibrating at its own level. Think about a guitar: the high E and the low E string—they're they're different, similar but different, mm-hmm. right? So each of the meridians will vibrate in a different way. And of course, how you play that guitar is the you that plays the guitar. Absolutely.
0: And this is where again, I would say the you that plays the guitar is the observer in this context it doesn't change the guitar the nature of a guitar is a guitar mm. uh, like the nature of a gallbladder is a gallbladder how mm-hmm. i work with that gallbladder it's personal at that point so this yeah. is now again a reflection of yourself in relation to something that say is a line because this is again coming from the chinese cosmological cosmological viewpoint of the world so there are certain experiences that people say yeah yeah the gallbladder probably is this but can you make that guitar sing can you make mm-hmm. that Goldbuyer zing a certain way that only you can? So this comes back to you have, at least in my perspective, there are certain metaphors that have been ingrained in your psyche at a deep level because there's other people I would say Galbar doesn't exist as this line. And I mean, I've seen the studies where they say a gallbladder channel is the stomach channel because for some reason they thought it was. And it just ended up being that, where they could only get stomach channel relationships with the gallbladder channel and vice versa. Until someone said, you're absolutely wrong by the history, then that broke that placebo fact or that metaphor for them. And they couldn't never get back.
1: Are you saying that the thoughts and maps that we have about the meridians gives the meridian their character?
0: Absolutely. Because it's just an exploration of yourself.
1: So if I decided to see the gallbladder as a kicked, So if I decided mm-hmm. to see the gallbladder and if I could see the gallbladder as this like powerful, quiet, laid back, strong kind of person, no outward energy, no I got a boundary and don't you cross it, but that sort of like... You know, Navy SEAL, look at somebody like, I don't need to do anything because, you know, I would take you.
0: Absolutely. And that could work. I mean, the funny thing about this is when you're mentioning these metaphors in reference to Mm. Buddhism, esoteric Buddhism specifically, because, again, Psalm is a Buddhist tradition, it's connected to the space, uh, boundless space Bodhisattva, who has all those characteristics, space oh you don't need to do anything but that's not how we would metaphorically understand it if we said you know your gold buyer is actually the rat from Taoism. that's two very different approaches to the same thing and yet they both work
1: so take me on a tour of the bodhisattvas of the
0: of the meridians sure so this is where uh we will look at things uh particularly uh, for, uh, I would start at, let's just start at the liver meridian on this one, right? So liver is going to be the balanced space bodhisattva. Um, He's particularly around like infinite space, infinite ideas um, that come from the spirit to the physical body. Now, if we think about the liver's metaphors of the hun, that makes perfect sense Mm. why that would come as our approach. And he's about, again, most bodhisattvas, and most Buddhas in the system, where we're identifying them to um, these different meridians through the phases, are going to have some relationship around ignorance and uh, cutting through your issues. So that's very, mon, uh, very much connected to the hun about the vastness and clarity of that. And that goes into smooth flow of chi, storing of blood, expansive wisdom and nurturing of the essence of like you know what you're going through your life, time experiences. So, that when you think about liver characteristics, it's like, oh, of course, I kind of actually connects. Right? Mm-hmm. When we talk it,
1: I, I, can, I can take that story in and, and invite it into the clinic. Right. Yeah.
0: And then you would have something where, again, there's a double up on the bodhisattvas um, with some of these meridians, because this is your guardian eight bodhisattvas, which they are tied to the eight trigrams, but so we could put them to the direct meridians if we know the chronoacupuncture. Right, so like esoteric Buddhism actually breaks this down a lot. Um, so it could also be connected to the lung meridian for this particular bodhisattva, because um, he doubles up. And then we think about lung in reference to the letting go of things, letting go of ideas, exhalation of things, and the governing of chi. Right, and now you say infinite space. Does that sound like air? Possibly. Remember, wood isn't a native Buddhist concept until it comes to China. It would technically be air. So you start thinking about the liver's movements, and you start thinking about the descending movements of the lung, you're like, oh, okay, this bodhisattva can do both. So this is a chi bodhisattva that circulates everything. Well, if you have limitless space, yeah, you have all the space to move things in the body. So that would be a double up for this particular one. There's going to be a few that do a double up.
1: So so there's some bodhisattvas attached to permanence. Correct. Now, in this case, we have the lung and the liver. They're right next to each other on the clock. Are, are these doubled-up bodhisattvas? Do they always have that kind of relationship? They are mostly they...
0: referencing the zodiac animals. So that's where we could make a oh, acupuncture okay. standard of organ clock, absolutely. Because, again, they all kind of links into a nice little narrative there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: All right, the next one we have is the rabbit zodiac with Manjushri This is the wisdom bodhisattva, and this is about the large intestine. So can you purify your knowledge? Can you eliminate and have clarity about what you're getting rid of? Because that's wisdom. A lot of people end up thinking like, well, how does large intestine go into wisdom? That's not the thing I would think of. But you have to let go of things to gain things. And you have to process them. And then you have to eliminate them. So again, usually.
1: And know what to let go of. And let
0: go of, which ultimately. And know what to let go of. Right, and ultimately it's like where you're letting go of, the illusions. So you like, what's the bowel movement? that's separating pure from impure. So that's the breaking down of literally issues that would hinder you. So this particular voice-off is used for studying when we started doing the rituals and just wisdom in general. So clarity, wisdom, studying, academics really.
1: Large mm-hmm. intestine.
0: All right, All right, let's move along. along. Like You're going to get kind of like more of the organ clock moving through things. So the next thing is going to be sure. the... Uh, this is going to be of stomach, young earth. So this is where I'm going to butcher the name because, uh, again, um, it's more about, like, Sanskrit here, but Brada, Bodhisattva, and this is about universal equality, about being able to nourish things and view the interconnectedness through sustenance because it's about practice of things, applying it. So you look at the rotting and ripening, you look at the origin of body fluids with the stomach, you're like, okay, you're talking about this as a practice, like literally get things done and apply it. That's as that's young earth. So you're like, all right, that 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 one-to-one kind of makes sense again. Okay. And then this moves also, this bodhisattva also moves to the next earth element, which is spleen. Yin right? earth. Yin earth, young earth. So this is again, this bodhisattva was actually used for females. You would pray to this bodhisattva for feminine issues of any persecutions and things like that so this is where you can get the stability you can get the nourishment you can get the support that's the transformation and transportation that's the governing the four limbs again going back to our practice aspect but it's also because you have this idea of the feminine being worked through which is hidden Right, And this, again, you only know what you do by doing things, and that gets into alchemy, essentially.
1: Oh boy, okay. <laughs> alchemy, you know what? <laughs>
0: we could continue down the line, but there, you
1: know there's a lot <laughs> we we could, but i I think we've got a taste of it. Maybe we'll come back and do some more later. Earlier you said magic, now you're talking alchemy. I remember as a kid, those things seemed really mm-hmm. cool, and as an adult it seemed both less possible and certainly more trouble than I suspected it might be worth. A lot of cultivation goes into things like alchemy. So it seems to me. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about magic and alchemy.
0: I don't view them as separate, actually. To do magic is to do essentially the great work. What is the great work? Whatever you want to be right? So my general metrics are magic can skew the probabilities to make your life better. There are certain skill sets you have to learn to do that, but it skews probabilities of reality. So if you need to do certain things, it's going to skew the probability, but in the process of skewing probabilities, you need to figure out yourself. You can't just say, Hey, I want to do money magic and get money. You have to go through all the issues of why you don't think you deserve money why you don't uh, want to expand your money. All those relationships that you got taught, you have to deprogram yourself for that. So this ends up being, it's alchemy because you have to give up those shadow issues, those hidden aspects of you and say like, hey, um, why don't I love money? Like, why would I not date money? (laughs) And then you have to look at yourself and be like, do I really want this in my life? And if you do, you know you might have some hard, traumas you might have to heal if you don't then you've already said i don't want this experience of life and that's okay too so this really depends on what you want but no matter what process of magic you aim for um, ultimately to let's just say better your life in a results-driven manner you have to alchemize whatever the issues are to get that result in reality
1: and alchemizing the issues is a cooking away a burning away of the shadowy
0: right. stuff. It's a, trans- it? it's a transformation right? of something to something else. Mm-hmm. So what you would deem as possibly negative gets transformed into a positive aspect. Your demons become angels. Your angels become demons. And this goes back to Buddhism where they say, well, it doesn't really matter. It's all illusions anyways. If you're going to tell yourself a lie, you might as well enjoy the lie because it's all just suffering otherwise. Or make it a useful Correct. lie. which gets into a whole thing right so even thinking about like going back to the Bodhisattva piece it's like um you know i was uh, misquoting myself it's actually a thousand arm guanyin for gallbladder in reference to the rat for gallbladder but this is where the gallbladder in reference to what we were discussing earlier it's like what happens if it's a cool guy what happens if it's a chick with a thousand arms that can take care of everything all at once gallbladder can do that (laughs) right so this is where um We can look at this and say, what is the more convenient lie to make my life successful? It's not fake it till you make it. It's not quite that.
3: Hello, everyone. Anne Cecil Sturman here. A working knowledge of the eight extraordinary channels from the unbroken oral tradition of acupuncture is valuable beyond words. The power of these channels is tremendous if the practitioner has well-integrated diagnostic, Theoretical and practical skill. You'll be familiar with Dumai, the governor channel or the sea of yang, the primal reservoir of yang, which ultimately finances all movement and growth. But this channel also governs the ability to self determine. The psycho emotional presentation of your patients can be matched to a classical activation of this channel, clearing impedance in the free flow of yang chi to body, mind, and spirit. I'd like to share with you the marvelous potency of the Do Channel in a full-length live treatment video from the seminar I taught last year in Melbourne, Australia. It's at com forward slash sinews2024. Click on the jump to free teaching button or see the link on my Instagram page at Sturman. Thanks, Michael. Back to you.
1: No, you know, I don't think there is such a thing right. as fake it till you make it. I, I, I've heard that, and I think it takes you wide of the mark because you know if you're faking it. There's only working it till Correct. you get it. Because if you fake it till you make it, you'll never make it.
0: So this is where, you know, what do we do as acupuncturists? What do we do as healers? We take someone's issue of health and we give them a narrative that they can work with. And then we have experience and we believe in what we do. If we didn't, we wouldn't do it in the first place as an acupuncturist. And then that changes a narrative for them so they can have a new healthy life, whatever that is. So is what you're
1: saying here, Zach, it's helpful in the process of cultivation to have useful illusions?
0: I would say if the illusions bring you closer to what you wish for but that is a question that you have to analyze yourself. What do you wish and will? Because you can have illusions that aren't helpful and you can just be like, it feels good. It's not about feeling good. It's like, where does this go? How do you live the dream? And what steps does it take to get there? Uh,
1: Tell me a little more about that because it, I don't know a whole lot about Buddhism other than uh, there's a lot of Mm -hmm. sitting
0: sometimes.
1: (laughs) And yeah, I mean, if you're at a Zen center, you're, you're you're working like you're in the military, but there's also a a very keen focus on sort of like clarity and what's not illusion. Maybe I've got that wrong. I, you know, I'm not a Buddhist. I've, I've only done a little meditation. So so help me, yeah, because I thought I just heard you saying that that illusion, if it's in line with what you wish and will, it's a helpful, useful mm-hmm. thing.
0: Did I hear that right? You did. <laughs> This is where if we take the assumption that life is suffering and that's the baseline Buddhist premise how do you get away from suffering well you're not gonna get away from suffering that's just part of living so then it comes out to is the lemon worth the squeeze what is worth it to you and this is a bodhisattva vow this is like again we can talk about the 10 different layers of um the different realms which are established in esoteric buddhism and each realm that's on top of the other one has more choice. When you're at the hell realms, you almost have no choices. It's automated. When you're at the Buddha realm, this is when you have all the choices and you can basically do a sandbox and you can just create because, well, why wouldn't you create? It's just fun. So you have more salvage okay. choices at the Buddha realm than you would say the other realms below it.
1: I hadn't thought about that before. And that makes a lot of sense. The more choice you have, the less hellish your life is. You know, what's a hellish life? You have no choice. You are at the whim and will of everything around you. The more choice you have, the more options you have. Ooh, options are usually
0: good. They're usually pretty good. Absolutely.
1: Like, wow, I don't have to eat oatmeal. I can eat sushi. Right.
0: Or you can have a Wagyu beef or whatever you want, right? It's just the experience at that point. And this is where at least Buddhism would take it. And this is where Andrea Vimis and I are writing a book on like Buddhist sorcery work, essentially saying like, okay, let's practically make this um, something that can make your life better. Because a lot of people say just meditate. Meditating does, it's nice, but that could be escapism too. Let's literally get our hands dirty and make this a contact sport and go through your issues. Because this is where it's kind of like, okay, you're in the hell realm. You have no choices. How many people come to our sessions feel like they have no choices? Okay. Then I could work the meridians from Sa'am in a certain way because Roman an enlightenment system essentially. I view it very close to Reiki in many ways just with you know, energy works a little bit different on the way you do the needles. But both of them are basically how do you get people out of suffering or give them a more choice, so they can choose different options of suffering, because we're not going to get out alive. We're all going to die. So at least make it a YOLO trip, where they can expand past what they think they can conceive as possible. So from the hell realms, you have no choice. The next realm is the hungry gross realm. You are craving something, and you know when the dead die, possibly because no one knows. So you're dead. They might have a certain craving that they have and they are basically now acting in a certain way to fulfill that craving, whatever it is. So there's lots of people that have addictions that I just want to fulfill one thing. And then we can progress up. It's like, okay, they have a little choice. It's a little sentient that they act this way, but we can think lots of people that don't. And the next one is now the beast realm or the nature realm, which is a little bit politicized in my opinion, but it's reproduction, sleep, eat, right? They would say, politicized in what way they would say the beast realm people uh animals are dumb i don't think animals are dumb whatsoever i think they're more honest it's just they have limited choices right but a lot of buddhism would say no like they're dumb it's like ignorant it's like what their nature it's like you're gonna call your dog dumb no the dog's just gonna be a dog (laughs) right Mm -hmm. so there's a little bit of a throwing shade there at that realm right well, it's a more instinctual realm, absolutely right right, and it doesn't make it better or worse mm-hmm. they got they got more there. right going they got more things happening that's okay all right from really all the realms you're really trying to say in Buddhism, can you work with all the realms all right? can you be in all the realms? you could be trapped in all the realms, technically aspects of you in certain times because the Michael that's on the podcast right now with me having a discussion around buddhism and acupuncture and things like that in chinese medicine is not the same michael in clinic there's a different mask and that's a different michael than the one going to um you know hang out with family and friends that's a different michael
3: mm-hmm.
0: we wear these masks all the time muslim's just very honest about it and says you're wearing a different mask at least explore it milk it as far as you can and don't be attached to it because it's just a theater act anyways
1: so enjoy the mask you're wearing while you're Correct. wearing it. Correct. And if
0: you're present and aware of it, no harm, no foul. no foul. And you're just having fun. And the more choices you have, because you're not attached to those issues, or you're not, um, well, it is attachment, really, um, then you have the freedom to do other things. And that's where it ties back to Sa'am. That's actually what we're giving people options for. This is why we get dramatic results with it. Like I've done lots of some um, type of treatments on people and their life changes. That's what I would expect Chinese medicine to do too, though. However, with a Buddhist lens, it's pretty impactful where you're like, am I releasing this person's karma? You are, they're not in the loop anymore from those traumas of the past. And you've used a metaphor through the five phases and meridians, even past the Buddhist metaphor. Um, Say we don't even add that layer you've changed their lives because you've switched their elements and you rebalance them in a way that can move them forward.
1: When you treat people like this, the way that I've learned it is you see what's excess, what's deficient, what's deficient, um, you'll Mm -hmm. tonify it with um, you know, the counterbalance use these counterbalance meridians. Right? I have looked through all kinds of old books and I haven't found anywhere nowhere that talks about the Sa'am organ pairs, right? I mean, we know about lung-large intestine, right? Yin-yang, okay? Connected pair on the arm. We know about like the great tie-in channel, lung and spleen. But lung and stomach? I mean, it's brilliant. Hand and foot, earth and metal. But I haven't found these pairs mentioned anywhere in any of our you know great source of old books where the hell did this stuff come well, from well
0: this is where it just really depends on how you want to go about it. like you know let's take lung stomach combination if and i usually explain it this way to um, people when i'm teaching it, it's like okay lung and spleen we know that's tai Yen. we know that they're dating they're in a couple right like they're essentially married well is and uh, internal external relationships so lung to the large intestine we know there's that combination too so when we think about it just even on the base premise lung if it's uh bestie is large intestine or uh, let's not even say bestie let's say they're married to large intestine but their bestie is spleen right in this context stomach's in that relationship again they're both it's the young ming uh foot hand dynamics Mm -hmm. but you think stomachs don't care about the lung as much? It's not a bestie, and it's not married to it. So it can be a little more objective. Now, where does this come from? It probably actually comes from the zodiac, and it comes from the organ clock, when you look at the actual pairings of the times.
1: I've looked at it through the organ clock. That was one of the ways that I was attempting to make sense of it, and basically you just skip, right, you, do skip. you skip an organ, and, that, and there's your pairs right there.
0: So there's that and that we do see that in the historical discourse. Now, if we really want to go back and be like, well, it's off of wandering monks in Korea, wandering monks in Korea did acupuncture and they probably had connections to astrology, which they do. So this is where we can even further say, okay, did you pair it through the organ zodiacs? And that's another interpretation because all monks did know astrology historically. Uh, That was just a norm of what their duties were to some degree.
1: So we could probably also look at this through the relationship of the animals. Correct. Is that what you're saying? I hadn't sat down and looked at that. So help me out here. Like the animal for heart and the animal for uh, urinary bladder, what are they? So you got
0: monkey for urinary bladder and you have heart being the horse. So horse and monkey, what's horse and monkey heart is basically you think about like, that's a social animal. It's usually in the protectors, but the monkey is usually in the triangle with the dragon. And, uh, there's another animal that's not coming off the top of my head, but they were the leaders and rockers of the world. So you needed a protector in reference to the illumination because bladder, when we look at its metaphors, um, through the mythology, it's actually about illumination. And then you have the horse, which is literally spirit. And at that point, if you get illumination and spirit, that it makes the easy combination. We started thinking about firewire dynamics.
1: Illumination.
0: Transformation, trans uh, not transformation, transportation, but transformation and separation, right? Like uh, the normal young functions. Mm. So this is where monkey is an intelligent animal by the Zodac standards. You're looking at it and be like, all right, cool. They we have this organ animal representation. And again, that's only one interpretation of the Zodiacs. There's two, technically. So it gets even more messy uh, when we start breaking it down.
1: Yeah. Do you do you work much with the stems and branches or, or look into that?
0: I do. I was trained in it, so...
1: so that's another thing that I, I keep wondering. Is, is there something within
0: the stems and branches that speaks to these organ pairs? Absolutely, right? So again... You, remember the origin of Chinese medicine is actually from shamans and priests. They were all kind of working in one thing and then you get a scholarly class that says, okay, you know what? We don't want to go through the spiritual way, Miyazaki experience. No, thank you. I don't want to do a deep dive like that, but we can now do the finger pointing to the moon. We could see what you're doing. We could observe what you're doing and then maybe we can copy it, but not go through the initiative rites and basically saying, oh, hey, uh, the spirits have called you. We want to do it on our own time. So this is where the energy paradigm comes in versus the spirit paradigm. So when we start looking at the heavenly stems and 12, or 3 branches, uh, this definitely has an implication, especially for, again, anyone that's somewhat learned in esoterics, because astrology was a core piece. You might say not everyone did astrology, but it was kind of a norm um, if you were a priest to some degree. Shamans might not do that. But priests would most definitely probably do that. And then they would go specialize into being astrologers later on.
1: Were the stems and branches seen as astrology or were they just seen more as cosmology? Here's the
0: big clock that things unwind around. Sure. There's no separation, though. If you understand that it's a big clock, you can predict what's going to happen. And then you manipulate essentially time and space mm. to a certain degree, which goes back to can you skew your probabilities?
1: So help help me out here with how the stems and branches... What in the stems and branches shows us the Sa'am-Organ pairs? Or maybe I'm asking for something entirely too direct. But
0: well, you have the heavenly y- pairs. Those get into your yin-yang um, phases, right? And then you have your twelve mm-hmm. Earthly Zodiacs.
1: So, so the heavenly yin-yang pairs, for example.
0: Right. So you would have something like ding um, being yin fire. You'd have... Uh, uh, Bing being yang fire, for example, hmm. right? So we
1: so you, have yin, right, and yang you fire. have
0: yin and yang fire. You literally have uh, yin and yang water, etc. So those are mm-hmm. really going to be your characteristics that you put in front of the zodiac animals, and they can change depending on the year. You have a sixty cycle. So once you understand that, now how do we break it down even further? Well, you have your core yin and yang pairs, and then you have your twelve earthly zodiac animals that represent the years of the month. Possibly that's one interpretation, but at least you have it to possibly an animal that you can correspond to directly Now that's pretty totemistic and animalistic um, in terms of working that system Uh, And then from there we can then say well, do these end up being the 12 mythical rivers in China? They could be meridians are definitely uh, tied to rivers in China on the cosmology So you have an animal piece and you have a river piece Where this ties into Sa'am now is, well, we do characterize the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas to zodiac animals. That's your direct connection. So is it the chicken or the egg? Did the zodiac animals and ten heavenly stems come first? Absolutely. But there's probably no accident why they put certain Bodhisattvas and Buddhas to certain uh, meridians based on the characteristics.
1: Okay. So if I'm following this... We have the heavenly stems and branches, with the yin and yang of fire in each of the each of the phases. There's your ten, comes down in, into earth, and just like us, as we come down into earth, uh, we get two fires. So now you've got twelve meridians, or you could have the twelve bodhisattvas, or you could have the twelve animals. The the, the there's different lenses that we can view this through. And then each of those, of course, have their own sort of sets of relationships with each other. Correct. So, like, going back into the Beijing, it may not have the filters and stories that show us those on pairs. But if we look at some of this more esoteric stuff... Mm-hmm we might see some of those relationships.
0: Correct. And if you actually have relationships and we go a step further and say, okay, do I want to have a relationship with this Buddha or Bodhisattva from a Buddhist lens? Well, if you know how to do the prayer work with them, they'll tell you things about the person. So this gets into, do you believe it's an energy model or a spirit model? Um, In the model we're discussing within Buddhism, you absolutely work in both. So when you're working with the spirits, like let's just say gallbladder with guanyin of a thousand arms. If you have a relationship with her, you've done enough prayer work with her, she is a force outside of you, and maybe not, right? But let's just say she's her own separate entity with a separate consciousness that is limitless, at least in terms of our time configuration. Because you can work with her and someone else can work with her at the same time. It's the same thing and not, because your subconscious mind is filtering it still, right? So it's a unique relationship with that spirit. So at the point that you might be doing needles with somebody, you might say, well, what's up with them? And she might say, hey, they, they're having these issues. Now, I'm not saying you have to do that. You could just do it by the book with just the needles and not having any spirit conversations. But that is definitely a way to understand things. And you could probably get her to be like, well, what's happening with the gallbladder? Because that's your association. She'd be like, oh, well, this person's having this. Why don't you try working on this emotion? Because they need more compassion. Very different relationship now in the treatment Well, that's just a whole different kind of psychology, isn't it?
1: Correct. Would it be fair to say that this meditation on the 12 Buddhas is a kind of Eastern psychology?
0: I would say yes and no, because if we're saying psychology from a standard of um, the Western perspective of it's all in your head, I would challenge the notion and say that's a model. Psychology is one model that we can use. But it does not justify things outside of the model unless you say, well, how big is your mind? And that could be a Buddhist conversation there uh, because generally the paradigms we could use is that there's an energy model, there's a spirit model, there is a psychology model, and they're most likely all interchanging at different times for you. So uh, I'm never going to be against psychology. I absolutely love it. However, I also have seen things in a spirit model that break psychology altogether.
1: Tell me a little bit more about a spirit model as compared with an energy model.
0: Sure. So a spirit model assumes that there's a consciousness that you interact with in a relationship. So this is where I can have a conversation with a spirit. If I built a relationship with them and say like, Hey buddy, (laughs) um, what's up? And that obviously relationships take management, but they are outside of you. So this is time
1: and attention
0: and time and attention. Whereas in an energy model, it says this is a volume game. I don't need to worry about my relationship with energy. I just need to know if it's good energy or bad energy. Um, I know that's a very simplified version of it uh, for the energy model. However, you're talking about volume. If everything's energy, it's just the quality of energy now and the density of
1: it. And then how does the psychological model fit in?
0: The psychological model fits in being, uh, well, what are the psychology rules that we know in Western, uh, Western viewpoints? if it's all in your head, then it gets into things like neurolinguistic programming. It gets into reframes. It gets into your thought processes, right? And you're really breaking it down. We do have the actual science and it's very effective uh, on that. However, psychology initially came out of what? Magnetism and all these other things directly out of the magical practices. And now it's more formalized into science and it works well. We've just really codified it down to the most efficient pieces. So you can do all three, um, and there's other ones too. However, you can do the, all three of them at the same time. Because remember, a spirit might tell you something, and it might absolutely be right because it can see you outside time and space. It's not bound to the physical premise right now and here. So they might be able you – know, you might just be a blip in their eyes, and they can still act on your behalf. This is why you want relationships possibly with them. But that's also dangerous because if you piss them off, what happens? They can out- act outside of you directly. So this is where the scholars in trans medicine, and we see that whole idea said, now nah, we're not going to deal with that. Screw it. I don't want my life screwed up by these things. I don't want to piss off that thunder god. <laughs> like, Or I don't want to placate the thunder god. So energy model came about saying, well, how about we just say it's energy? And maybe it's a spirit, but let's not worry about that. Let's just talk about the quality of energy that I can rep- reproduce. So it sounds like there is some danger in working with the spirit model. Oh, absolutely. There's dangers working with any model, though. Now, I would say that clearly. Even energy, you can get screwed. We see that with Mecha all the time, <laughs> right? But with the uh, spirit model in particular, yeah, there's going to be some risk because, again, the assumption is there's relationships in play and these things, um, being the spirits, can work outside of you. Because they do. You say, I don't want to believe that spirits exist. Okay, that's fine. But you've just locked off a whole possibility of how the world could work. You need to go into that frame. It's just a frame or a model. However, it's handy to have things work outside of you if you have relationships, But they pull some things that you would never imagine. I
1: suspect it would take some guidance and training.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You're not going to get it out of a book. Well, you could actually, but you still could need you? to have training. Yeah, I mean, uh, my master's book, Hands On Chaos Magic, takes you step by step on that. For Andrea Vidimas, Hands Vitimis. On
1: Chaos Magic,
0: Hands On Chaos Magic by Andrea Vidimas. So, I what mean, what a great title! Yeah, and it looks at the model in a step by step manner of saying like, how do you get rid of your issues? How do you? It's a workbook essentially. I've used it for years. And it really is one of these things where it's a step-by-step exercise. It's saying, okay, you got to get your head on straight. You want to talk to spirits? You can't even get your head on straight. Are you meditating? Can you even focus? No. Let's talk about that first Mm -hmm. before we even talk about things that are completely alien to your consciousness because they can't affect you. When I
1: was a a teenager, I loved reading the uh, Carlos Castaneda series Mm -hmm. of books.
3: Are you familiar with
1: those? I thought you might be. And, uh, you know, it's kind of entertaining because Carlos is, you know, he's, he's a dope. He's kind of stupid. But Power has pointed him out as someone worth, uh, worth cultivating. And so he ends up with his teacher, mm-hmm. Don Juan, who's like always playing tricks on him and just giving him shit and like asking him to get his shit together. Because there's a whole world outside of your constructs. Mm-hmm. But it takes some work to get
0: Absolutely. there. And it's work. I mean, everyone's like, Zach, you like you can do all this badass stuff. I'm like, one, I, I, I have an excellent master. And I'm very grateful that I can learn everything from him on this. Uh, same time, the shit's scary. Let's be straight. It's like, yeah, you might live in anime. Like, I love anime and mangas. Uh, my life is like that some days. We're like, oh, oh, we have to do an exorcism. Shit why why do we have to do an exercise i just want to go home and yeah why me why today like (laughs) i remember like in particular i was in a student uh clinic and again uh i was learning uh from my one medical qigong teacher right and uh he was actually like running the clinical runs and like me and this indigenous guy like you know we're good friends and we're running teams and literally We both look at each other and then we look at the teacher and he's like, you, you want to do this? I'm like, and it was just like this look that we all had because we knew some shit was going down. I'm like, well, you know, I know how to do exorcisms. So, yeah, I guess I'm going to have to do this because no one else is here that's going to do it. And the teacher's like, all right, well, if you need help, I'm outside. I'm like, "Uh, this ain't my first rodeo ain't gonna be my last rodeo so <laughs>
1: and, and this is a teacher who knew about this absolutely
0: huh? right so this particular teacher like i've been very fortunate with my teachers i mean i learned off of three imperial physicians so they knew their shit and this was one of them and he's like well bro we got you i'm like you know i'm also learning directly as a pr- uh, folk priest and do magic and i'm you know, shaman on things. He's like, yep, I know. But if you need the backup, I'm here. So we go in, ended up being a large intestine uh, issue. and was very complicated because there was a lot of abuse, unfortunately, for this client around it um, and thought process issues um, about the attachments to not letting go. Um, It was just, uh, it was very unfortunate for that client, but we broke it um, in a few sessions. And people would say, well, did you do ghost points? I'm like, no, I basically did some large intestine 11 (laughs) or uh you know stomach 36 li5 si5 basic points but it's not the needles that matter here was my going into the mentality my mentality was uh i'm going in and i'm going to win this for this person because they need it i'm going to act
1: In recent years, the Sa'am acupuncture style has generated significant interest and a loyal and growing following. In the Sa'am approach, a precise diagnosis leads to a four-needle treatment to address the five element and six chi imbalances in the body. The four needles target the controlling and generating cycles. It's common using this method for the needle sensation to be stronger than in many other styles. Thus, the choice of needle becomes important. The Unico brand of needles lends itself to both strong and gentle techniques. These superior needles are made of uncoated Japanese surgical stainless steel and feature the best guide tube on the market with its unique beveled edge. Additionally, Unico needles have a tensile property that helps with freehanding needles into Jingwell points and allows you to more easily feel the arrival of Qi. Blue Poppy is the exclusive importer and distributor of Unico Needles. Use the code QI2024 to save 10% off Unico Needles at www.bluepoppy.com. You'll be glad you did. I'd like to dig into this just a little bit because the language gets a little slippery here. So exorcism. Does that mean that they were possessed by something?
0: Yes, they were possessed by their attachments internally.
1: Well, wouldn't that be most of us around many things?
0: Again, you can have external demons and you can have internal demons. There's no separation to a shaman.
1: So help me understand this. Like the difference between some kind of possession and a troublesome attachment that shows up as. A kind of trauma that you would get a DSM-5 diagnosis for.
0: So this is where the difference on this is how much is this of their um, everyday character, right? So if someone's being possessed by an internal aspect within them that is still part of them, they will actually kind of act differently. Now, we're not talking about external uh, possession work. That's a different thing altogether, Right? This was clearly an internal issue that person literally did not want to let go of. Hence why I went mm. with the metaphor of large intestine. We're breaking this and we're burning it up. And you're going to let this go, whether you like it or not, because you came here for help. And they literally said, I have issues on this and I need to let it go. And they thought they were actually like, uh, like having a schizophrenic breakdown on things. And I'm like, no, this is not it because there was external factors here, unfortunately, of abuse. So that's not you, but you've internalized it. So I'm no therapist at this point. Uh, you know, we would send I'd said you need to go through the therapist, but we'll do the best we can with acupuncture, which, you know, we did the energy work and things. And then the person was able to have bowel movements. They weren't having bowel movements for a while because of this.
1: That's interesting. I've I've had a number of patients you know, I always ask them about their bowels and, and some there are some people. It's like, yeah, I have a bowel movement every Three to five days. Oh, how long has it been like that? Forever. So, you know, you get them on occasion. We could literally say they're holding on to shit, or maybe there's something that's got a hold of them.
0: And in this particular point, they the reason why I call it an exorcism is because literally parts of them were like, we're not giving this up. All right, well, the person clearly came for help. Doesn't matter if it's them or an aspect of them. This is not imperative for the goal of what they're asking for.
1: Do you find with a treatment like this that sometimes there'll be some like decompensating that goes on as they as they shift from a, a stable and suffering pattern to something that that they're more freed of?
0: Well, yes, because that means they have to give up the wet blanket. And this is where you have to literally from, if we're thinking about energy work, it's like nature hates a void, nature hates a hole. So if you're going to take that out and purify it and transform it, you have to replace it with something. So if you end up having to do acupuncture, energetic surgery on somebody and saying, okay, we're cutting this part of you out because it's not redeemable for whatever reason, then you have to replace it with something else altogether. Now, that's a little bit beyond uh, most acupuncture. That would get into medical qigong and uh, more, I would say, classical acupuncture, actually, but not your TCM acupuncture.
1: Tell me more about the classical acupuncture. How would that?
0: So the classical acupuncture, remember, the metaphor is needles or swords. So we were the surgeons back in the day. Even our metaphors, um, when you talk about it, it's like encircle the qi, rush it. It sounds like military terminology. So one of the ways I was uh, learned was we literally can look at the art of war and talk about acupuncture because all the tactics they use in the art of war is directly metaphors for what we would use. So this is a very conflictual point. And the origins of acupuncture is actual exorcism, meaning you're taking off attachments of spirits from people um, through bloodletting or other means. And moxibustion was to help, uh, illuminate and, uh, reheal or scar. So they don't come back, whether it's internal or external again. So classical acupuncture, there's two different variants. I would say it's like, are you doing the scholarly acupuncture? That's what's mostly talked about by me people, uh, these days. Are you doing more of this more, uh, contact sport, magical acupuncture? Um, Because you can read a book and experiment, and that's more classics. Contact sport says what's my issues? How do I get how do I transform my limitations? Because I am the limiter at this point for what could happen with a client.
1: For sure. The more experience we have in the I would say greater access to choices and stories and well, energies or spirits for that matter, as we've been talking about it in this particular conversation. It will give you more It'll give you more access to possibilities.
0: Absolutely. And this is where it's like, you know, I joke around about acupuncture, but I do some acupuncture and I've had people when I've done student clinics, I've like students will look at me and we have conversations. Everyone kind of knows I'm a four needle person. So they're like, well, what would you do here? We had one client, particularly young. uh, I I won't say young, but it's like mid 20, early 30s literally has shoulder pains recycled around the student clinic. Um, It's the first time I saw her, but she's been recycled over and over. It's like, yeah, it keeps coming back, keeps coming back. And I look at her and I'm in, I mean, I'm in a doctor, like professional mindset as a practitioner. Right. I mean, I, the joke is Zach's in Dr. House mode. Right. So this is where I'm like, you come in, you get your (laughs) issues done. And a person, and I say to students, I'm like, well, what do you want to do? The shoulder pain keeps coming back. The treatment knows how to keep saying, and everyone keeps doing vocal treatments or distal treatments and nothing's sticking. What's the issue? And they're like, we don't know. I'm like, what's the tongue? What's the pulse? They're like, it's this, this. And I'm like, all right, so let me go talk to this client. I go talk to this client. And I look at them and I kind of like dead eye them in a weird way in terms of like I, I'm getting a sidekick impression off of the energy. And I said, hmm, do you want this issue resolved? And the answer is like, yes, I do. I'm like, no, do you really want this issue resolved? And then they say, yes. And then I say the third time, it's like talking at Rumpelstiltskin at this point, right? I said, well, I think we can actually make movement on the shoulder pain today. And I know if we do make progress on this, your life is going to be a very different life. I can't predict what is going to change in your life, but change is always going to be hard. So are you ready for that change to get rid of the shoulder pain? Because that's what I think actually is being presented today as a choice for you or an option for you. And the person kind of looks at me and is like, what do you mean by change? I said, I have no clue. I just know there's going to be a radical shift in your life. Do you want to take it or not?
1: Are you up for this?
0: Are you up for this?
1: Are you up for this? Yeah.
0: And then she looks at me and she was confident. She's like, yes, I want to get rid of the shoulder pain. And I'm like, all right, fine. I'll talk to the students. I'll give you, I'll, I'll tell them the treatment. And then I basically prescribed uh, the triple energizer or sand gel tonification. So this is triple energizer 2 sedated, uh, bladder 66 sedated, tonify wood points being the triple energizer 3 and uh, gallbladder 41. They And there I said, put it on the right side. She's a female, right? And uh, she was having a left side problem anyways. So we're already doing this yin-yang opposites. And then I said, Very powerful. And I said, in particular, though, what's your needle order? Because that's our secret sauce when it comes to acupuncturists. It's like that's her dosing, essentially. I'm like, what's your needle order? They're like, "Uh, I don't know. And I said, do you think she's in her head about things? Or what do you think? And then they said, well, yeah, she's in her head. Look at her. I'm like, well, what do you need to do that? You need to draw down uh, the water. And then you need to do wood points. Water generates wood. And then they're like, okay. So they did that particular order. F- few minutes later, person's like, oh, the shoulder pain's completely gone. But they're, then they, in the midsize of the treatment, is like, oh, it got worse again. And they're like, Zach, you gotta come in. Things are getting worse. I'm like, no, they're not getting worse. It's exactly what they're working through it. And then I said, just do the buyer 66. Do that point. <laughs> And they kind of manipulated tonification, uh, you know. They turned it left, and then things started to open up again. And I was like, okay, good. At the end of the session, there was no shoulder pain or very little shoulder pain. And they're like, oh, that was fantastic. I'm like, yeah, but you you were working through stuff there. Don't let's not let's not like kid yourself there. You knew you were working through stuff. The next week later, they come back in, they book with the students, and we asked like, hey, how's it going? They're like, no shoulder pain. Then we said, okay, that's great. What do you want to work on? They're like, oh, there's nothing really I want to work on. So then I, then they kind of were, the person was very forthright. They're like, yeah, I broke up with a troublesome partner right after the session. Do you feel bad? Do you feel any remorse? No, I feel the best I felt in years. Mm. Okay. So we can break that down from Triple Energizer and say, what happened there? If triple energizer is like the hidden puppet master that controls all the organs and works for the minister fire and all this other stuff, we can break that down, but this is,
1: I had not thought of the triple burners, the hidden puppet right. master.
0: Right. I usually call it like, quote unquote, the God mod. It's kind of like everything plays around in it, but it can do its own thing. Right. So this is where that person had a sacrifice, the sacrifice for the shoulder pain. And literally the shoulder pain was a bad relationship.
1: Okay. You were just talking about needle Mm -hmm. order, right? I mean, I think needle order is important too. Generally speaking, when I do Sa'am, I'm I'm generally tonifying more than dispersing. Mm -hmm. And so the way that I think about it, like if I was doing the triple burner, if I wanted to tonify it, I'd start with gallbladder 41, right? I'm turning on the wood, on the wood channel. It's going to go up to um, that triple burner fire, right? So then I do triple burner Mm -hmm. three, okay? Would point on the uh, fire channel. And then I'm going to do triple burner two. I'm going to turn it off on the channel. And then finally, I'm going to go to the source and turn it off there as well. Right. Right? Which is, man, such an imbalanced treatment, man we're like totally turning up one channel and we're turning off every, like taking off the brakes.
0: Yeah, and I think it really depends.
1: So I usually think of it that way, but if if I'm hearing you right, you started with the urinary bladder 66 because you wanted to draw down into the water. That's a really interesting, I hadn't thought about looking at those kind of dynamics. There's actually quite a bit you could do with those four needles, depending on how you, how you wanted to direct that.
0: Well, this is where, I mean, I talked about this actually earlier in a lecture today, actually, where I was presenting four needle techniques in reference to orthopedics. And I was discussing with the students and the one person really got in, it's like, oh, you know, there's so many layers to some. I'm like, yes, there is. But we're not even touching the core of it. We're not talking about the Buddhist stuff. We're not even talking about how the elemental correspondences is, but as an acupuncturist, with four needles, you essentially have sixteen different treatments because depending on how the order of operations goes, you have a whole different result, so you have to be very clear what you're doing in reference to how these organ functions work, and then when you take them out, it's where do you want to leave them off on what organ function and where are you shifting the energy
1: wow that's that's a whole other layer that I had not considered that's Interesting. I'm really excited to go into clinic tomorrow and uh, see how that yeah. might play.
0: Because this is how you tweak your acupuncture dosings, per se,
1: right? Well, it's not just your dosing; it's your um, directionality. Absolutely, it's more than dose. It's, I mean, to some degree, it's dose, but it's also like who's playing lead guitar mm-hmm.
0: here. And depending which one goes first and which one goes last and which one exits and this is where you get you this goes back to again those basics like what are the chi movements, what are the organ functions because you can stimulate them just through those four needles, and depending which way you want to guide it, it's a whole different type of treatment, even though it seems so simple. Yeah.
1: Do you do much draining with this um, acupuncture or do you tend to do tonifying more? Uh,
0: I actually go through all systems. So I go through the heating system, I go through the cooling system, I go through tonification, I go through the sedating formulas. So I do all four pretty consistently depending. Now, draining versus tonification, depending on which set, uh, I actually honestly don't do a lot of manipulations. I just stick them in. And then I'm done, mm. and that seems to work.
1: Yeah. No, I I think what I meant here was like draining a channel as opposed to tonifying the channel. Oh,
0: okay. So in that context, I would say hmm, I I tonify more than I drain.
1: Mm. Yeah. Have you, Have you got a thought behind that? Why 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 do you tend to? Tonify uh, more.
0: Well, I think I tonify more because I generally see more clients on a deficiency level. Mind you, there are some obvious times I'll do a straight drain like, okay, you want to do a sedating formula for liver. That's easy for liver cheese g- stagnation, yeah. right? Or anything like that. Uh, however, this is where I think it also comes down to a personality point, right? I'm willing to cut things out of people. That's the sedating was, But I generally like to build people up more. Right. Mm, And I think mm, that mm. is like, now I'm the X factor. Like some people are very much like, just get your stuff together. Uh, I have no problem doing the cutting. However, I'm probably not the best. I mean, everyone's like, Zach's really good at cutting stuff. I'm like, I am and I'm not right. The options I have on the table are again, limited by my personality because if I'm not willing to go there, I can't do the treatment.
1: The options on the table are limited by my personality. That's a powerful statement.
0: goes back to, again, the self-cultivation work. It's I am limited by my own experiences. If I, for example, like people are like, Zach loves using fire points. I'm like, I absolutely do. They are my best friends. But if you know anything about me, I'm a fiery person. <laughs> right? Mm. And then people are like, well, you don't use it. Like, I have no problems doing Jing Well points. No problem whatsoever. And I can make them so it doesn't even hurt. Um, But this is the difference of, well, am I, like, a Jing Well person? Probably not. So this is where, again, relationship comes into. What's your relationship with the points? What's your personality spectrum in terms of what you would do? Because if you're not willing to, like, let's just take an easy example for kidneys. Everyone knows kidneys for fear. Just that's the general thing. How many people are comfortable with fear though? Or sheer terror? Not a lot of people. And we wonder why kidney um, formulas don't work as well. Because if you're not comfortable with fear, you can't cause wisdom to happen in your own personality spectrum.
1: It's interesting. You know, I, I love these kind of conversations because I hadn't put wisdom and fear together. I mean, they're there. It's right. That's right. Yeah, I mean, like since the it's right, right back like first two exactly. weeks of acupuncture school, right? Wisdom and fear.
0: But wisdom comes about because you're fearful of what's going to come out. So you're trying to figure out strategies ahead of time. So this comes back to, again, we talk about kidneys not being an issue for most people. Yes, but if you're not good at, like, let's just take water at what it is. Water is death in Chinese culture. It's also life, but death and life at the same time. So if you're not good with death and you're not comfortable with the notion of death, you're probably not gonna be good with kidneys at some level because you're still fearful. But you can't utilize the fear to do something else now because you haven't accepted it nor assimilated it in yourself. So to do that with somebody else and you're saying, I gotta work on their kidneys and bone problems, you can't do that. You'll get some success because again, there's some advocacy of the needles somewhat working, but not the wow effects. Mm
1: -hmm. But it helps if we have the cultivation that allows us
0: more choices. Absolutely. That's all we're doing is cultivation equals more choices. Have all the experiences in the world. Cultivation for more choices. That's kind of where I I would take it. It's like, be a millionaire, be a billionaire, and still be a hobo. That's a very different life experience. But if you can do that, your acupuncture is probably going to be fantastic for certain things, right? (laughs) (laughs) I love
1: it. Yeah. Yeah, be able to be in both. And not enjoy them both without Correct. attachment. Well, that seems like a good place to put put a pin in it for the day. Man, we've, we've covered, covered a, a lot. lot of territory. Anything else that you'd like to share with folks in terms of uh in terms of cultivation before we wind it uh, down.
0: So I would say like, you know, first off, get my teacher's book hands on chaos chaos magic by andrea vitamis it's a good workbook i still work through it every single day and uh if you're the magic and those esoteric aspects do interest you that's a great place to look into Um, i also will be publishing consistently around this buddhist side of chinese medicine it's not much uh discussed unfortunately but i do break it down so i'll be making like case studies and articles on things so people can always uh, look at that at uh W-U-J-I-X-U-A-N dot C-A. And that's going to be in our article section. So you'll have that. And then uh, they can always just contact me directly if they have any questions. We do have webinars. We do have workshops. So it really is. If people want to learn Great. it, um, we're available for hybrid or in person.
1: All right. I'll make sure that's on the show notes page. Zach Louis, this has been really kind of a wild ride this evening
0: yes it has michael yes it has
1: yes i've got all these ideas stirring about the the meridian so uh might be time to do a little
0: alchemical work absolutely absolutely chop wood carry water that's every day for us right
1: chop wood carry water that's it man all right thanks so much thank you I usually get squeamish around using the word magic. I get uncomfortable because it usually is associated with trickery, sleigh of hand, and purposeful misdirection of attention. But if I understand what I think Zach is talking about when he's referring to magic, he's talking about a mindset. One that has one eye on the beliefs that we carry and another on the kind of attentiveness that helps us to undo or reprogram how we see the world so that we might live into a more expansive one. It was Arthur C. Clarke who made the observation that any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Bodhisattvas of channels and working money magic on ourself to dispel limiting beliefs not so strange when you consider that we already can take words like wood or fire and dream up a whole set of physiologic and psychological experiences that our patients might have or how the use of something like cognitive behavioral therapy, that can change how we approach and interact with money. Different stories, they present different opportunities. I think Arthur C. Clarke was right. Zach's perspective on how we are as practitioners, it reminds me of how much our presence in the clinic is needed, along with the capacity to skillfully apply the tools in the kit. Thanks, as always, for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological